This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense, a show all about personal finance, and I'm Wong Xiaoning. Since last year, the world's central banks have unleashed the steepest series of interest rate increases in decades. In the United States, the Federal Reserve has raised rates 11 times and the benchmark rate is now at the highest level in 20 years after being left unchanged for the second consecutive time in early November. With one more meeting left for 2023, will the Fed still hike rates? And what does this mean for your investment portfolio and what strategies should you employ? Joining me to discuss this is Lim Chiawei, Senior Portfolio Manager at AHAM Capital. Good morning, Chiawei. Now, since March last year, like we said, the Fed raised rates 11 times. And now the benchmark rate is between 525 to about 5.5%. So help us understand in the first place, because we need a one-on-one. Why has the U.S. central bank been so aggressive in their monetary policy? It all boils down to inflation. If we look at core inflation in the U.S., it went as high as 5.5% in early 2022. And this is from a very low level of below 2% before the pandemic. For most central banks around the world, controlling inflation is one of their main jobs. Because inflation is that high, they need to hike interest rate to slow down the economy. And as a result of slower economy, they intend to achieve lower inflation. How that works really is quite straightforward to many of us. When interest rate rises, it is more expensive for us to service our mortgage loan. It's more expensive for us to take up loan to buy a house or a car. And it's not just to consumers, even to businesses, it will be much more expensive to borrow money, to sustain their business or to grow their business. So the intention really is to slow down the overall economy so that people spend less. And with less spending, they are hoping that inflation will cool down. So based on the economic data that has been released so far, do you think that this battle against inflation by using interest rates has been effective? Is Are we near peak rates when it comes to the Federal Reserve? There are really two parts to your questions. The first part is, has it been effective? And the second part is, are we near the peak of interest rate? In terms of effectiveness, I will say it's been mixed so far. For example, core inflation today is still at 3.9%, let's call it 4%. That's still very high compared to the targeted level of 2%. When you think about it, we have one of the most aggressive and rapid monetary tightening in the past one and a half years. We've never seen so much interest rate hike within a short period of time, a mm. one-year period. And it's not just interest rate hike. Quantitative tightening is happening behind the scene as well. And yet, inflation is still at 3.9%. The reason is not so much that the tool that Fed is employing is ineffective. The problem is there is another counter force that is happening behind the scene, and that is fiscal spending. Mm. The US government is aggressively spending money, um, whether it's in their Inflation Reduction Act or in their infrastructure bill. So in terms of effectiveness, as of now, it's I would say it works, but it has not worked as fast and as effective as hope. I mean, we rewind earlier on the Fed, it always claimed that this inflation was transitory, but it turned out to be far stickier than 
we anticipated. The other issue I have is by raising rates so much, is the US heading for a hard landing though? Everyone's been talking about a recession. Is that going to happen this year, next year? Can the Fed actually successfully engineer a soft landing? Many of us, including myself, have gotten it wrong. If you asked me this question a year ago, I would say that I expect a recession by sometime in 2023, probably in mid of 2023. And clearly the economy has held up much, much better than expected. One of the main reasons is really what I've shared earlier, fiscal spend. The very high interest rate and quantitative tightening is hurting a number of sectors that are sensitive to interest rate. For example, housing, housing sales have fallen by 20-30%. So housing sector is affected. But mm. other parts of the economy, for example, construction of non-housing projects, it's been rising sharply due to the government spending. And that has to a large degree, kept the economy fairly healthy and has prevented a recession so far. Then mm. the question is, is this current condition something that will continue to go on for the next 12 months in 2024? I think the benefit and the aggressiveness of government spending has probably hit a very, very high level and it will be harder and harder for government spending to push even higher to offset the effect of monetary tightening. To answer your question, I personally am taking a view that we will need to see some form of labour market weakness to comfortably bring down inflation to 2%. Mm. And labour market weakness, the question is really the degree of it. If it is it a mild labour market weakness and that means soft lending or is it a more severe labour market weakness, and some people will call it a hard landing, or it can even be a be an average recession. I personally think that it's not easy to engineer a soft landing because the economy works with an element of psychology, fear and greed, for example. For example, if let's say 1% of the people lose their jobs, the problem is not just contained to that 1%. That 1% will spend less, so it will affect the rest of the economy. And day-to-day -day people who still have their jobs, when they hear newspapers saying, hey, 1% of the people are losing their jobs in, say, three months' time, naturally, the rest of the people who have a job will start to worry. Yeah, they'll think, they even... I'll be next. Yeah. So th th there is a spillover effect. There, there is a contagion effect. But the question I have is also, okay, now that we know we are in a in, um, high interest rate environment and it's likely it's going to be higher for longer, that's the mantra we keep hearing uh, more frequently, how does this then impact the various asset classes? Do some assets look more attractive than others? Let's say bonds versus equities. What I'm really trying to say is that the asset classes, be it bond, equity, even other assets, to a large degree, they have already responded to the higher for longer and run. Mm. To give you an example, US government bond, the long duration ones, I'm talking about 20 year to 30 year US government bond. It has fallen by more than 40% since late 2020. 
So in the past three years, it has fallen by 40%. Simplistically, many people would say, hey, higher for longer should be bad for bond. But the problem is, it has already fallen by 40% to account for the higher bond yield and run. So the question is really going forward after falling by 40%. My personal thinking is that certain parts of the US government bond, certain part of the curve, is okay for longer term. It's okay. It's it's valuation has come down. Even though the US government is likely to issue more debt because the debt levels right are in their trillions. The supply of US government bond issuing more debt, it is a problem. It is a concern, especially in the next 12 months. Mm. Yeah. Earlier on, what I'm trying to say is that from a longer term perspective, somebody who holds it for three years, five years, it's not too bad. It's not super attractive, but it's not too bad. But you rightly pointed out that the issue of um, bond supply, it's it's a challenge in the near term. What about equities then? For Maybe US equities, I think it, it has continued to power higher. Yeah, the Nasdaq is up high. almost 40% on the year-to-date basis. S&P, yeah. you know, 20 over percent if, I, if my memory serves me correctly. Theoretically, considering the interest rate environment, equities should not be doing so well. So is it still a good time to go up even though to go in even though the, the indices have gone up so much? My inclination is to say it's not. When we look at valuation and when we compare Nasdaq's valuation against the bond market, it is very expensive. We we have this term we call it equity risk premium. Mm. Equity risk premium is very, very low today. It means equity is very expensive. So that's U.S. equity. Asian equity, on the other hand, has suffered a lot, partly due to the high bond yield in U.S. And high bond yield in U.S., one of the key impact is U.S. dollar has been very, very strong in the past one to one year. And when U.S. dollar is strong, usually it tends to hurt Asian economy as well as Asian stock market. So if you look at Asian stock market, it has really been falling for the past two years. Yeah. Only, I would say, Japan and maybe Korea have done Taiwan. decently, Taiwan. So, Korea and Taiwan is unique in the sense that they benefited from the whole AI hype. Mm. And Korea and Taiwan have, have a lot of semiconductor stocks. And what about cash, though? You know, for the longest time in the era of cheap money, mm. cash was literally trash. Nobody wanted to park their money in cash. It, the yield was so low. Has that mantra still... Is, is there a different way to look at cash today? Especially if you think about US dollar. If you put in USD money market fund, you get more than 5% yield mm. for almost zero risk. The only risk you have is if dollar weakens significantly against ringgit. But otherwise, it's very attractive. But the question is, um, how long should you keep it in cash? Should you always then consider other asset classes because it's opportunity yeah. cost, isn't it? Simplistically, what... Uh, sorry, I say, I say it simplistically because um, in reality, it's a bit complex. But to put it simply, many people, what they do is they will compare the attractiveness of cash yield. Mm. So in this case, they will compare, okay, cash is giving 5.5% yield in US dollar money market fund. And then I have to look at my equity or my bond, for example, and I have to do a valuation analysis. And if they are able to generate 
a return that is meaningfully higher than 5.5% over the long term, then it makes sense. Mm. But earlier on, we touched a little bit about US stock market. Yeah. Today, currently, if you compare NASDAQ versus 5.5% yield, um, it's not attractive at all. So to answer your question is, you start shifting your money out of cash fund into equity or bond when you find that it's cheap enough. I've been speaking to Lim Chiawei, Senior Portfolio Manager at AHAM Capital on investing in a higher for longer interest rate environment. We're taking a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere. BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense. Today, we're discussing how to invest in a high interest rate environment. Joining me is Lim Chiawei, Senior Portfolio Manager at AHAM Capital. Chiawei, you know, earlier on, we talked about equities. And yes, it's gone up, especially in the US. And it's been persistently very strong. But is there really some sectors or stocks that we should be paying attention to that perhaps do even better in a high interest rate environment? Instead of thinking in terms of sectors, it would be much more helpful if we think in terms of balance sheet and cash flow generation in Mm. the high interest rate environment. So avoid those that have too much debt. And very interestingly, we we do notice a few companies that are in a very interesting position. Of course, clearly, A are those companies with net cash. Mm. And companies with net cash are essentially parking their money in money market fund and earning a high interest rate. And that benefited their earnings and share prices. B, there's another group of companies that is a bit counterintuitive. They are net debt, but they are also benefiting from higher interest rate. The reason is because they have borrowed those money. Um, for example, two years ago, they borrowed a business loan for 10 years and they lock it up in a fixed rate. Mm. So in spite of higher interest rate, the loan that they have taken up two years ago remains at a very, very low rate. But because these businesses are cash flow generative every year, every year they make new ca- they generate new cash flow and they park this new cash flow into money market fund at a much higher interest rate. Mm. So in spite of being in the net debt, this company still benefited from higher interest rate. So it's important to look at their cost of capital, the actual cost of capital. Yes. And the duration of their borrowings. Mm. Is it a floating rate? Is it fixed rate? Is it a short-term loan of one year or it's a long-term loan of five to ten years? Okay. So clearly those with five to ten years long-term loan that is locked up a year ago or two years ago, those companies have really benefited. Um, Joey, in 2022, one of the principles of investing which a lot of uh, of us adhere to, which is keeping a balanced portfolio, that did not do well at all, right? Because it was a, it was unusual in that fixed income did badly, equities also did bad, badly when they're actually negatively correlated. So is the era of a balanced portfolio over or is it something that we should still consider uh, going forward? Yeah, um, 
the, the first thing to note is that the correlation between equity and bond is not always negative mm. historically. And 2022 was the correlation between equity and bond in 2022 was positive. But it's important to note that 2022 was not the first time the correlation between the two assets turned positive. It does happen. Um, there are periods when it's positive and there are periods when it's negative. And yes, in 2022, the 60-40 equity bond allocation was smoke. The reason is, there are a few reasons. The first reason to note is that Prior to 2022, we were in about two, three years of what some people term as everything bubble. Not sure if you remember this period. Everything bubble essentially means that bond has done so well, bond yield has compressed to close to 0% for certain countries. Mm. At the same time, equity market has done so well. And in 2022, one way to think of it is it was really a payback interest rate gone higher, bond yield goes higher, so bond market got hit. And as we have discussed, very often people compare valuation of equity class against bond class. If bond yield has gone up to a very high level, it actually makes bond more attractive. And then people will look at equity that's expensive, then they will say, hey, doesn't make sense. But then that's why in 2022, equity market got sold off as well. So that's what happened. Um, Perhaps one takeaway is bond and equity correlation tends to turn positive when inflation gets to a very, very high level. So at the end of the day, what advice are you going to give investors then? Do, does the mantra of stay invested, don't time the market, uh, have a diversified portfolio, do all these things still hold true? Diversification still hold true. Something that I've read recently and I agree is... In the past, we always think of diversification as having some bond exposure and some having some equity exposure. But in the next 10 years, a better mix will probably be a bit of bond, a bit of equity, and a bit of commodities. Commodities will be um, exposure to oil and gas and exposure to metals. In fact, one can also argue that gold is probably the fourth asset class that you can have a little bit of. Um, why do I say having a third class commodities will help is there is a case to be made that in the next 10 years, we will probably probably be in an environment whereby from time to time, you will see inflation tick up towards the higher level. Maybe it won't go to 5% core inflation, but from 2%, it, there will be a few years where it go towards 3 or closer to 4. Mm. And in that environment, you may see a bit of a repeat in 2022 where bond and equity struggled somewhat, but commodities will do very well. All right, that's all the time we have for Ringgit and Sense. I've been speaking to Lim Chiawe, Senior Portfolio Manager at AHAM Capital. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. We have the 10am News Bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise. I'm Wong Shaoning from The Morning Run, BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9. The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.